This is KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regions of University of California, nor the management of KUCI. Uh, this is Dan Zhang with Subversity, and today we're also broadcasting on KUCR in Riverside. Uh, we're going to do a tribute to um, Lyndon Barrett, a professor at UC Riverside and formerly at UC Irvine. Coming up, stay tuned. Uh, this is Dan Zhang here. Today we're going to be... Um, Remembering the life and uh, scholarly work of Lyndon Barrett, who tragically passed away um, about two weeks ago now, actually. And um, with us in the studio, um, a, gr- a group of his friends and colleagues. And we just played a segment of a song from the Supremes. And Fred Moten, a friend of uh, Lyndon, uh, writes... One night at f- about 4 a.m., after a lot of wine and scotch, one of us, I don't remember which, said, Comes, uh, said that Come See About Me was surely the Supreme's greatest song and one of the great works of art of the 20th century. And the other just nodding as if it was the most obvious thing in the world. Uh, so today we're going to be uh, looking back at his life and how he started in academia uh, and with us, uh, a number of uh, colleagues calling in. Uh, we have uh, Catherine Kinney, who's the chair of the English department, George Haggerty, who's a colleague in the English department at Riverside, both of them at Riverside, and uh, Winston James, who heads the African-American Studies program here at UCI and a historian in the history department. And with us in the studio... Uh, uh, Arnold Pan, uh, who was a, uh, who who, who uh, Winston was his uh, dissertation advisor, and uh, he's now uh, finished his PhD. And Leila 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 Neddy, who was also a graduate student here under uh, uh, Linden, and also uh, a former undergraduate at UCI, and now a graduate student at uh, UC Riverside, Jamie Park. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. for having us. Thanks. Uh, I was going to ask uh, maybe Catherine. Uh, what, you went to school with uh, Lyndon at Penn. Yes, I did. What was that like? Um, well, Lyndon was a couple of years behind me um, in graduate school at Penn, but um, you know I've been thinking obviously a lot about it since I've heard from all kinds of people we went to school with. Um, but I think what I remember most is how of new and exciting a field African-American literature was at the time, and to think about how different the field is today because of people like Lyndon. Um, you know, when we were in graduate school, a lot of the work we did was to sit in the reserve room and read what were basically rare books, which we now think of as the basic works of, American, of African-American literature. And yeah. when Lyndon was out last year and did um, his you know, did a talk at Riverside. It was about um, the origin of the slave trade and the, you know, the colonial powers dividing up territory and um, Utrecht and Descartes and how important slavery was to the whole basis of Western philosophy. And it was, I sat there thinking how amazing it was that we had gone from this kind of very tight place of trying to just make African-American literature present to set to this really rich, viable place where it was absolutely central to how we think about everything in literature and philosophy. Um, And, you know, to say that, Lyndon was the same warm and funny person then that we all knew here. Um, He was a little more serious in his self-presentation. He carried a briefcase with a handle (laughs) that I always thought was really impressive (laughs) in graduate school. Did he wear a tie? (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I have a vivid memory of him in his three-piece suit. He wow, been, <laughs> that's hard to imagine. <laughs> it must have been the day we were doing mock interviews for the job market. Um, and then oh. when I saw him when he was first at Irvine and he was wearing in those days two different color Converse, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's embraced California wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, but he was, he was just a rare, unique... Um, strong person. Um, so this was at a time when you we were still uncovering the history. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it was very kind of uh, he was a pioneer. 
Yeah, he was. And and he wasn't, there was a lot of important work just getting books back in print and, you know, doing the first publishing, the first kinds of essays. I remember when Lyndon published his essay on Billie Holiday's autobiography, you know, what a, a real breakthrough that was. Um, but he just didn't stop there. I mean, the whole world was open. We have a, uh, actually a tribute from uh, John Roberts, who was uh, Lyndon's uh, Ph.D. advisor. John Roberts writes, I will always remember Lyndon as a young man who had the courage to look beneath the surface of things, the curiosity to probe them deeply, and the intellect to examine them critically. He was never content with simply knowing. He wanted to understand not beyond reason, but rather in a reasonable way. From my first meeting with him early in his career as a graduate student to the completion of his dissertation at Penn, he never ceased to amaze me with his willingness to expand his grasp of the intellectual terrain that he wanted to cover. Though a Canadian by residence, he demonstrated constantly the tough-minded, hard-working West Indian temperament and ethic that he had inherited from his devoted parents, and of which he remained very proud. Perhaps this is why he worked so hard to bring new understandings, to develop new approaches, and to instill respect for what it has meant, and continues to mean, to be of African heritage in what we call the New World. His devotion to this work was not merely an academic exercise. It was an act of love for family and community of nurture, a giving back for all he had been given. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Leila. Um, yeah, and we then he w he stayed uh, after he graduated. He came uh, pretty soon to UC Irvine, and uh, he was uh, here uh, for over a decade. Um, I remember he lived in University Hills, and uh, there was uh, actually an altercation with another professor, which is kind of funny in retrospect, because the professor charged over to his house. Uh, to Lyndon's house, knocked on the door, and here he, Lyndon opens the door, and the guy says, "Is the is the man of the house here? Is the master of the house here?" <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if it's Lyndon was telling me that he he probably didn't know if I mean he 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 wasn't sure if the guy was saying that because he looked young or was or, or he was black, and he was did the guy think he was the housekeeper there? Uh, and so this was in the early days when you know there were the diversity hadn't really reached uh, Irvine at the time. Uh, so it's quite uh, a kind of quite a strong impression on people. And I, n I just got an email from another former graduate student who uh, said he really uh, admired um, Lyndon for standing up to this professor who since has left. He's <laughs> no longer at UCI, this other professor. Uh, so we have actually another commentary from uh, Carl, uh, John, John Rowe, uh, who actually uh, knew him a long time also here at Irvine. This is a message from John Rowe. Uh, Lyndon was one of my closest friends and one of the intellectuals for whom I have gr the greatest respect. We knew each other for 20 years and worked together to diversify the educational curricula at the University of California, Irvine, as well as in the broader profession. We did much of his this work as faculty in English and then in African-American studies, the academic program Lyndon founded with Thelma Foote in 1994, and which has since become one of the most innovative and intellectually exciting African-American studies programs in the U.S. Lyndon taught me a great deal about intellectual matters and even more about life. I learned from him that African-Americans have represented themselves in ways that include but also exceed considerably the printed books so respected in contemporary academic circles. Music, dance, oral folklore, parades, cooking, clubbing, talking, loving, singing are as important, sometimes more important. Learning that has brought me new wisdom and great joy, as did Lyndon Barrett. Uh, and John Rowe is, uh, is now at uh, USC, uh, where he chairs the American Studies and Ethnicity Program. He's a professor emeritus here at Irvine. Um, how, did, uh, how did people, uh, how did some of you... Uh, get to meet him at the can you maybe recall the beginning of the first time you met uh, uh, met uh, Lyndon uh, uh, Anud uh, well I took a course with Lyndon uh, my very first quarter here at UCI when I started the PhD program and it was in African American literature and at that time I had really no idea what I was going to specialize in probably something in uh, critical theory 
But, you know, taking Lyndon's class and just getting to know Lyndon really uh, changed the direction of uh, what I was studying. And, you know, eventually I completed my dissertation, which was a, focused on U.S. modernism and African-American and Asian-American uh, culture during the early 20th century. So Lyndon had a huge impact on me right from the beginning. And, you know, he was one of the professors who really, yeah, I think we would all agree here that took students under his wing and you know he really cared about his students and yeah. that's clear from the press reports also and the blogs right. that people uh, have been quoted in blogging in the blogs uh, reacting to this yeah I actually came to Linden fairly late in my graduate work um, the first time I met Linden was actually when I wrote to him asking if he had a TA ship available, and um, it became probably the greatest experience of my graduate work here. Um, I worked with Lyndon for two quarters on classes in the Harlem Renaissance and Harlem and Bloomsbury, and um, really came to know Lyndon when I was running out of funding, and Lyndon, of course, came to my rescue, providing for me a, a GSR, a, a research project, um, which spanned two quarters. Um, and in these two quarters, I spent um, researching the history of major African-American studies departments throughout the nation. And the second quarter, I spent researching major figures within the discipline. And at first, I thought, what a peculiar project to undertake. And um, I was very grateful, of course, for, for it having freed up space and time for me to, to do my work. But I, of course, continue to learn from Lyndon. And the more I think about that project, the more I realize that what it was really about was um, making sure that I was aware of the, the massive history of African-American studies in this country and um, the ways in which the, the discipline itself comes out of the history of the Cold War and in a sort of reaction against various area studies programs and the ways in which they were conscripted in the service of the state and, um, and, and just really making a space for me to learn my own position within the academy and the importance that African-American studies um, has played within, within all of our studies. And um, as I've been writing to various people, notifying them um, over the past week, what I realize is that Lyndon is such a huge part of that discipline. And um, it's because of that project, really, that I've kind of come to appreciate exactly how major a figure he, he has been. And um, that's really how I came to know Lyndon. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, that was uh, Leela Nettie. I, <coughs> I actually, um, I owe a lot to Amy, um, my good friend. She was a year above me um, in the English department when I was an undergrad at Irvine. Um, and she um, would not stop talking about him. She's like, you got to take his classes. He's amazing. Um, and so um, she sort of introduced me to him. Um, but yeah, I took a couple of his classes. I think, um, the class that really had the most impact on me was, um, the Hughes and Schuyler class. Um, and of course my writing sample for my graduate application came out of that class. Mm. Um, so yeah. And I, you know, I was kind of scared that he wouldn't remember me. Um, but, um, a couple of my friends said, no, you know, I think if you approached him, he would, you would be surprised at, you know, how much professors remember their students. And he was very generous. Um, you know, he took out time during the summer um, to help me with, with my whole application. So, And um, you followed her, him to Riverside? Yeah. Um, as I was coming to my decision, um, I had heard that he had taken a position there from another professor um, who I was in contact with at Riverside, Dr. Lopez. Um, and so, yeah, he basically um the decision was it wasn't a decision anymore i already knew where i wanted to go so um yeah he made it really easy for me that's great yeah oh i i just wanted to add a couple things i think you know based on what both leela and uh, jamie was jamie were saying i thought you know one thing that's really important to you know mention about Lyndon is that you know, he was a great mentor to all of us but i think one of the things that you know, really speaks to him as not just his, you know, important place within African-American studies, but the way in which he nurtured his students and, and allowed, and, you know, gave us space to do our own research. In many ways, Lyndon, despite being very, very close to us, you know, really didn't want us to replicate him. He, they didn't, he didn't want us to just repeat after what he had done before, but he really encouraged us to go in the directions we wanted to go in and, you know, 
he followed us in some ways. You know, I, I remember, you know, working on my dissertation and meeting him and he had read, you know, a book that was probably something that he may not have read before, but he read the whole thing just so that he could go page by page and tell me, like, things I should add or readings that that I had kind of skimmed over that could have been more complex. I think that's one of the things is that, you know, we all learned a lot from Lyndon and, but also that Lyndon was, you know, a great advisor in, you know, letting us do what, you know, he thought we should, you know, pursue on our own. And, um, yeah, I think the other thing, you know, and I think Jamie is a good testament to this is the, how many students of Lyndon's as, you know, he had met as undergrad, uh, at, you know, when they were undergrads, went to grad school. We received a lot of um, entries from uh, undergraduate students from UCI who had, you know, worked with Lyndon as an undergrad and then w were telling, you know, people on, on these blogs how they had pursued graduate studies because of Lyndon. And, it, you know, it's hard to believe, considering how young Lyndon was, that he has students that he worked with as undergrads at UCI, and even, you know, he tutored um, as a grad student as, at Penn, who are now professors. So I think that's really also speaks to what kind of, you know, example Lyndon was to everyone. Yeah, and I, I would also like to add, um, in terms of the nurturing that Lyndon did for all of us, um, it's, it's also important to, I think, mention the ways in which his influence exceeded the academic and um, the ways in which we all came to realize that um, Lyndon has really embodied and practiced a real politics of pleasure and he's passed that along to all of us I think. Um, some of my best memories of Lyndon are not in the classroom or, or necessarily very formal but they're of, of things like dancing in an Orange County parking lot together or um, <laughs> you know, just hanging out and, and enjoying life together. And um, the amazing thing about Lyndon is that that never ceased to be both an ultimately pleasurable activity, but also um, a deeply intellectual one. And his part of what amazed me of, about Lyndon was the ways in which there was always such an intense connection for him um, between those two things, between the, the rigorously intellectual and, and the utterly pleasurable, and that to me is something that I, I take with me. And George uh, Haggerty, uh, yeah. how did you first meet him? Well, I met Lyndon right after he came to UCI because I had colleagues here, Jennifer Brody and others who knew him, and we would go, you know, we'd be at conferences together and so on, so I knew him for a long time. Um, I couldn't believe our luck when he applied to our <laughs> job here. It was amazing. His job talk was amazing, as Catherine said. And then when he came here, um, he just took the place by storm. I mean, he was so brilliant. He was so friendly, so collegial. And we all just fell for him. He was just the most wonderful colleague. And he would attend talks, you know, people do sometimes uh, outside their field and ask the most interesting questions of anyone in the room. He just really was a wonderful, um, just a wonderful presence on campus. The dean was really impressed with him when he had his interview before Lyndon was appointed and followed his progress here and was devoted to him as well. So, you know, he, he, he really transformed the, the department. We were thinking of Lyndon as the future, really. He was such an important addition to the department, and we thought, this is great. We can, you know, move ahead in these fields, and um, we do have some depth in African-American, and it was just wonderful to have such a perfect senior hire. You, you, had, a, you had a book project with him. Uh, uh, he was an uh, advisor on, your, uh, on the advisory board for your encyclopedia project? That's right, and he was, um, he was also very much interested in other people's work. He was, he was, he came and asked to see work of mine that he hadn't read, and took my book and gave me helpful comments, which you know colleagues say, "Oh, your work is great," but they don't usually read your whole books. Or, you know, it's really he was really did an extra, an extra um, amount, and 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 it was just because he seemed to be excited to be here, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, he was on the advisory board when I did the Encyclopedia of Gay Histories and Cultures, and he was great help with that project. Uh, he also went to the one of the, in 2000. He went to a conference that was summarized in uh, in Kalalu, uh on queer studies, uh, on Black queer studies, and so he he was one of the people that uh, did this kind of intervention 
kind of critically of queer studies, trying to place it uh, with uh, black studies. Uh, well, you know, yeah. the, 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 kind of, the kind of groundbreaking work he did in combining those two fields, it's on a par with uh, Rod Ferguson and others who have done uh, trying to combine black and queer studies, and that's, that's been a real important intervention. I mean, it's the latest move in these fields is to think about how they intersect and the intersections are the thing that really make a huge difference to people working in both fields. And I think Lyndon was uniquely placed in order to make not only being in both fields, but being as smart as he was, he could move us all forward, a big, giant step. We also have with us on the phone um, Winston James, who uh, is uh, head of the African American Studies program after, after Lyndon uh, here at UC Irvine. Uh, how... how how did you meet him, oh, uh, I I met him in 2005, but let me first of all uh, sort of correct uh, a little error there. I, I became the head of the program in 2007, and um, I, I, I actually stepped down at the end of the current academic year. Oh, continue so I'm not <laughs> not currently I actually resigned in June and it came into effect on the 1st of July so I'm not the head or the director of the program in African American studies so I'm um, just 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 for the record um, I I met Lyndon in 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 2005 in the uh, sort of spring or what you would call here the winter quarter uh, in in 2005 I I was invited by the history department to to give a job talk, and and Lyndon attended. And as usual, of course, everybody knows he would sit at the back of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he always did. <laughs> so, uh, I, and and so that's where it started. Um, you know, we we met afterwards, and I met with the other faculty in African American studies during that process, during that visit, um, and 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 that's that's where it all. It all began. Uh, I became deeply involved in African American studies once I arrived at, at UCI in the fo in fall of 2005, um, and was the sort of associate director al al alongside Lyndon during that period. Uh, and then, as I said, I became the director in in 2007 uh, after Lyndon decided to to leave. Um, yes, yeah, so that's that's. That's how I, I met him. How, how do you, um, what do you see as his uh, contribution to, to the field? His contribution is quite immense uh, in terms, you know, you, you have his, his intellectual output, his, his publications in, in a wide range of areas uh, relating to African-American studies. Um, but you also have... Um, uh, his contribution to uh, institution building, which John Rowe referred to, the sort of struggles that he was engaged in at UCI to build and protect the program in African American studies. And I have to say that um, during his time at UCI, and, and certainly during the time that I have been there, which is only recent, only in three years, um, um, he, Lyndon, was uh, very, very, very embattled um, with the institution, uh, unfortunately. And I personally, I think the way in which he was treated at the end of that process was, was quite shameful. But so that, that, that is one of the contributions that he made. He was very vigorous in defending the program, very um, um, energetic in... Um, uh, mentoring junior faculty and recruiting for the program in African-American studies and, and trying to make sure that there was a sort of environment in which people could do important and, um, you know, valuable work. Is there a shift? Do you, do you see a shift from supporting ethnic studies programs to more discipline-based, like history programs, rather than, you know, these uh, separate s programs? More separate uh, ethnic programs. Uh, is that what the is that the university's role now? Uh, how they're doing it? 
Well, um, I, I'm not quite sure um, if that is what they're, they're trying to do. Um, certainly, um, what Lyndon was trying to do was to create a vibrant African-American studies program uh, at, at, at UCI. But I'm, I'm you know, I, I, I really, I'm not quite sure. I, I take it that what you're, what you're asking is whether or not the institution is, is still behind that project. Is that what you're... Yeah, yeah. Do you see uh, generally, this, do universities, are they moving away from, the, you know, the groups, the institutions that have been, were started in the 60s, are they now moving away to, to make it more institutionalized or, or ignoring them and just doing other stuff? I I I I don't know what the general uh, you know terrain is there in in terms of other institutions. I'm not quite sure what what the project is at UCI, but I do believe <laughs> that you know we the, the the program is located in the School of Humanities and it does have the support of the dean of it the is, yeah, yeah. School of Humanities at the moment at UCI. It definitely does, yeah. And the dean did send out a statement, uh, Vicky Ruiz. Uh, on Linden. Yes, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you think that's the reason he left? Uh, it's well, it was to do with the fact that I don't think he got the level of um, recognition and respect that he ought to have had from the the, the previous team, basically. Why did uh, why do why are every why is so many people going to Riverside? Uh, Mike Davis. Mike Davis is uh, is in da- Riverside. Uh, has just left for Riverside. Also, uh, is yeah. it hard to be progressive and uh, <laughs> in Orange County? <laughs> well, it's hard to be progressive every- anywhere. I'm not quite sure it's more. It's easier to be progressive at Riverside, frankly. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Mike's uh, move to 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 Riverside is. is perhaps quite different, uh, you know, but I, I know that Lee yes. felt quite embattled at, at, at UCI and in fact felt quite bitter about much of his experience. And I, you know, I, I, I can't deny that. But, you know, we're here to celebrate his life. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that was uh, a detour. Yeah, uh, you, yeah. yeah you're listening to uh, KUCI here on a subversity program, and uh, we're also being simulcast um, by KUCR in Riverside. Um, um, let's t- talk about his uh, his legacy. How wh- how do you see his uh, legacy in the field? Uh, um, you asking me? Uh, Ka- oh, Catherine. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, we, okay. we already touched on that a little bit. Uh, um, well, I mean, I guess I mean I think it does follow from you know the question of why London made that move, and I think. You know, I knew I know there were frustrations at Irvine, but I know when we talked about it, um, we had a kind of funny lunch with you know former grad student, former grad student, now chair and senior mm-hmm. job recruit. We just started laughing kind of spontaneously at this spectacle at one point. But but I also feel like he had he did feel there were positive things I think on both sides, yeah. and and he felt like he had accomplished a great deal at Irvine, and I think he did feel good about um, you know for all the the problems that persisted, he felt good about the program he had built. And I think yeah, that, yeah, he certainly did. you know, many people at this stage in the career, you know, a, a move is a chance to kind of break new ground, give up, you know, drop some baggage from the past and, and just try a new atmosphere. And I think there were things, um, it, you know, we're a very different English department, I think, than, than Irvine's. Um, and that it was, you know, Lyndon, I think, was not really hung up on disciplines, per se, as, <laughs> as strongly supportive as he was about the work that African-American studies could do. It was kind of like disciplines were kind of like nations to him. They were, they were there. <laughs> they were kind of annoying sometimes. But, <laughs> but he really just wanted to follow, I think, the line of intellectual power that was open to him, you know, asked the questions he wanted to ask and and was pretty self-defining, I think, in that. And so I think his legacy in part is that, is that, you know, as the more I've thought about it, that that there is, he wasn't hung up on worrying about what is African-American studies. Mm-hmm. You know, it, w- it was there and it could exist in all kinds of venues and all kinds of disciplines and all kinds of campuses. And, um, 
and it was, you know, this kind of intense relationship between ideas and people that I think he was so dedicated from, that if people could could get together and really think about ideas and ask hard questions and be open and courageous, that um, things could change. And I think he leaves that legacy both in his published work and in his personal interactions with people that sitting in the back of the room and asking impossibly complex <laughs> <laughs> questions, you know, um, with, with a real open-minded, not... Um, combative kind of style and, and I think that's part of that legacy so many of us who have seen him as a model for how to do that, how to seriously engage people um, you know, that, that's really I think a strong, a strong part of what he leaves He, he was soft spoken yet he spoke yeah. very um, you know, intensely I yeah. mean, he, yeah. he always had something to say that was profound <laughs> it seems, yeah and you know he he was also just finishing a book yes on the slave trade and i don't know what will happen with that i hope that um some people can recover it and make we'll sure shepherd it through <laughs> pardon me yeah. we'll shepherd it through i hope so because it's just yeah. so important the work he was doing in that book he really will change the whole study of slave trade history i mean as Catherine was saying earlier it's a tremendously important project yeah I also yeah, and he was, say he that was he's very excited about his continued work uh, on that. He wanted to do another chapter. I actually saw him just a fortnight before he died. Mm. Um, you know, we were on mm. my deck drinking rum and talking and uh-huh. enjoying ourselves. Um, so it was quite a shock to to learn of his, his death while I was on the road on a research trip. But, yeah... Um, We'll, we'll certainly try and, and, and make sure that have, uh, certainly have a look at the, the manuscript, the latest version of his manuscript, <laughs> and, and try and get it out. Yeah, so. yeah, George, you were saying? Well, I also wanted to talk, I think we're all talking about this obliquely, but what a great friend he was. I mean, yeah. I mean, a colleague, yes, but much more than a colleague. I mean, yeah. even in the short time I was actually his colleague here, I've come to know him over the years, and I just valued him tremendously as a friend. It's a tremendous loss just from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And just kind of a final note on um, what Dr. Kinney was, um, you know, just saying regarding, you know, his experience at Irvine, I think as an undergrad, um, some of our memories, um, he was very candid about that in his lectures too. He would just kind of insert comments here and there about how, you know, just things that kind of made him unhappy or things like that about the program, just kind of as a side, sort of a joke type of thing. Um, So I think even from an undergrad point of view, undergraduate students kind of knew there was, you know, he wasn't quite you know, um, but I just remember vividly um, they had a, um, a final sort of conference for him in honor of him when he, right before he left Lila, I think you might have been there. Yeah, both of them um, yeah, yeah, and um, just the room was packed, and I just remember, like, um, I walked in, I was a little late, and of course he was sitting in the back, um, and there were comments sent from all over the nation, all over the world, people just wanted to you know, they knew that he had a long, arduous sort of time at Irvine. Um, not that it was, you know, completely horrible, like Dr. Kinney was saying, but um, I just, and that was when I had already sent in my um, uh, acceptance to Riverside. I had already made my decision, and I walked in, and I heard those words, and I just felt like I get to work with this person. Like, I was just so overwhelmed, you know, and I think I, I really do, you know, I know, you know, I know he knew he had supporters here um, at Irvine, and I think just that conference, I just, it just sticks out to me, and I think, you know, he knew that there were people who appreciated him deeply here at Irvine, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah, I just... Oh, oh, I was just wanting to add something about um, what everyone's saying in terms of Lyndon's frankness, and, you know, it, at the personal level and, you know, also at the level of being a mentor, I think that was one of the things that was... You know, we all really valued in Lyndon, you know, to not to kind of move away from talking about you know, maybe, you know, his uh, stay at Irvine. You know, in terms of being an advisor, you know, there would, you, you always knew Lyndon was being very frank with you. And because, you know, I, I just remember when I turned in my dissertation, I turned it into him. And he said, oh, well, you know, I'm 
you know, he congratulated me. And he, but the, I think the next thing he said to me is, we need to work on chapter one. You, you know, that one's weaker than the other ones. And, <laughs> but the flip side of that is that when he did praise you and he did have good things to say, you knew he really meant it, right? And so I think there's two sides to that. It's that, you know, there's a sense of being really earnest and really caring and that that kind of um, care comes through and not, you know, giving you faint praise or, you know, uh, sidestepping what the real issues were. And, you know, I think this is the case with all of his graduate students that, you know, there are moments where you're wondering, like, will I be able to finish my dissertation? Will Lyndon approve it? But part of that is, you know, I think <laughs> an intellectual process and a teaching process fr from him as our mentor in, in the sense that, you know, not everything's going to be perfect and not everything you know, do, also do we need to seek, you know, 100% approval from him, but, you know, when he was able to give us those, you know, thoughts and, you know, to give us the kind of praise and encouragement we needed, we knew he really meant it and it wasn't just to kind of move on to the next grad student and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and in fact, thinking over some of my recent teaching experience, it's in fact that, um, that rigor um, that, that Lyndon brought to the discipline that, that really makes, um, that makes me smile right now because when I get comments um, that I've been sort of disappointed with at the time saying things like my classes are too political or they're too hard or they're too theoretical or um, they're too depressing, um, from now on I think I'll, I'll actually smile and, and think that that's something of Lyndon. That I that I'm bringing with me, um, and and I I hope that um, that that in fact does stay on with all of us um, who carry on his legacy. Yeah. Well, it's his level of engagement. I mean, the way it, it, it is that he was rigorous, but also he took everything seriously. He worked hard. He lived hard. He was an amazing person to know. I think we're all at richer because of knowing him mm -hmm. at all. Uh, Catherine, uh, when he was a graduate student, did he indicate he really wanted to teach? Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, for Lyndon, the, the classroom was, was um, you know, just a kind of, in the best sense, an extension of research. Mm -hmm. And um, that place where, you know, it's one of those rare places where intellectual conversations can can go on and but he was also I think always wanted students to know that um, these weren't you know dry abstract issues or dead books or things that only counted in the test mm -hmm. I mean I don't think anybody would would listen to Lin Lyndon and wonder but what will be on the test mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was always life and work mm -hmm. I think um, together mm -hmm. um, but I think you know, there's a kind of easy way to do that, and then there's the challenging way. And and Lyndon, I don't think, ever stepped down from a challenge in his life. I think, you know, even at Penn, um, when he had a disagreement with powerful people, he stood his ground and, um, you know, had good reasons for why he believed the things he did and why something wasn't right, and he would speak up, you know. Um, and, you know, it's an amazing combination with someone who, whose personality isn't basically combative, you mm -hmm. know, whose personality is warm and welcoming. And, um, you know, again, it's just a really rare, a rare person mm -hmm. who, who greets the world that way. How did his, the fact is, uh, he, his background is in, uh, he, uh, he was born in Guyana and he went to Canada and grew up there. Uh, how did that affect his uh teaching or research into African-American studies? Uh, well, this is Catherine. I mean, I, you know, briefly, I actually asked Lyndon about that last spring. Um, and, you know, he kind of shrugged it off at one level. Um, but I do think it was key to his, I mean, he shrugged it off in the sense that there wasn't a, a like, a definable difference in his perspective, right? But I think he did understand that um, nations to be um, something less than absolute constructs, mm -hmm. right? And that, that people and lives and histories and um, stories are mobile, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they do cross borders. And 
um, that especially as a discipline, that that U.S. domestic boundary around African-American literature just, or African-American studies just didn't make a whole lot of, of sense as a, a way to delimit knowledge and, right, right. and the field. Yeah, yeah but he also he, he saw himself, um, you know, as a child of the African diaspora. Yes, yeah. We have narrow loyalties in that way. And, of course, his identity extended beyond that and was generous in relation to all oppressed groups. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, um, his, in a way, his Caribbean roots and the sort of itinerancy of Caribbean peoples uh, contributed to the development of an identity that transcended those, those sorts of narrow boundaries. It's also good to be an outsider when you're yeah. teaching in the U.S. because you, you get a different perspective. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Or you give a different perspective. I remember having conversations with Lyndon about precisely this topic in which he we would discuss the, the differences and, and I remember him commenting about the, the sort of vital difference between growing up as a West Indian within a community of color um, in a, a place in which um, there isn't the sort of surrounding um, politics of, of domination in quite the same way that they exist in this country. And I think he really took that with him um, from his parents and from his family. And, you know, um, although he grew up in North America, um, he brought a sort of different perspective to his being and his work. And I, I think that that's um, something that he was very aware of, too. For sure. Yes. And he had, um, you know, as, as Catherine has said, he had enormous courage. He, he was never afraid to stand up for what he believed in. Mm -hmm. um, and he was willing to take on you know, powerful people in actually articulating his positions. And there were always, you know, principled positions. Um, uh, and he was just uh, extraordinarily uh, passionate in a whole number of areas. Very gentle, a very gentle person and a very sensitive person. Mm -hmm. um, but profoundly passionate intellectually as well as in in terms of his play and, and so forth, his enjoyment of life. That, that's, that's what I found so amazing about him, is the, the extent to which he, he had this extraordinary intellectual rigor and fierceness, but at the same time, this intensity in relation to pleasure, uh, enjoying company, laughter, mm -hmm. music, dancing, uh, and, and, and so on, you know, and, and the gift of friendship. Um, you know, so for me, what I will remember most about Lyndon is, is uh, his friendship um, and the, the warm spirit that he exuded and the generosity um, with which he interacted with people and, you know, the, the decency with which he treated people. And it's, you know, you can see all the testimony from his former students, colleagues, and talking about um, those dimensions of his, of his character. Mm. Yeah, yeah uh, we're going to play a clip uh, from uh, Sylvester. Yeah, well, um, one of the, you know, with the discussion of music, one of the things we uh, did in contacting, um, you know, Lyndon's friends and colleagues throughout the profession, we actually have, you know, 10 pages of tributes, and, um, you know, I, I obviously we won't be able to read all of them, but one of the things we asked for um, was a, a playlist and uh, of music, and we started with The Supremes and requests by Fred Moten, and um, the... One uh, musician that was mentioned most often was Sylvester, and this was uh, there's a request by um, Jason King, Daphne Brooks, and uh, Bridget Cooks, all for Sylvester to be played. So we thought it would be appropriate to play Sylvester, and appropriately, the the song is titled "You Are My Friend." And Jason King just has a brief uh, blurb about um, Lyndon's uh, the relevance of Sylvester to Lyndon, um, and I'll, I'll just read from Jason's statement: uh, Lyndon's paper. For a 2004 conference on Sylvester, explored how Sylvester forged his unique identity, black, gay, feminine, flamboyant, uninhibited, in the context of the disco era, and how minoritarian subjects 
have historically managed to create the possible and reaffirm value in humanity in the context of social and political repression. I think that pretty much sums up what we've been talking about in the last few minutes. Yeah. Um, I have a comment from one of uh, Lyndon's closest friends um, at Irvine, Donna Iliescu. Um, she was the manager, or she still is, um, the manager of African American Studies um, here at UCI. I, Donna Iliescu, manager of African American Studies, and more importantly, friend of Lyndon, would like everyone to know that for me, Lyndon was beyond special, beyond brilliant, beyond dedicated. He was the most unique and inspirational person I have ever known, and my life has been enriched by knowing him and having him become a part of my family. He helped me get through Thelma Foote's passing last year, and ironically, I will try to embrace and live the advice he gave me then to get through this horrific tragedy. A vast void is now present in African American studies and in my and my family's life, but I'll try hard to keep Lyndon's zest for life alive so that hopefully I might begin to know some of the joy that Lyndon lived in his short life. My sadness cannot be measured. Lyndon, I love you and I miss you. Thank you for being you. That's great. Um, he also uh, contributed, uh, one of his Callaloo articles was also uh, uh, one of the articles in uh, something called The Great, uh, the Greatest Taboo, Homosexuality in the Black Community, uh, a book that, was, uh, that came out in the 1980, uh, 2001, actually. And there he talked about uh, uh, sports, actually. And um, he, he, he did a, a critique of... Uh, how um, how kind of cross uh, cross dressing was uh, was handled? Uh, black men in the mix, bad boys, heroes, sequence, and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> I, I just had a quick comment on that. I think one thing also, you know, in terms of Lyndon's legacy in African American studies, is just the breadth of everything he covered. But also, you know, as we know, with Lyndon in depth, right? Like he went from slave narratives. You know, covered uh, you know 20th century African American literature, and then of course like Dennis Rodman. So you're really getting the whole uh, picture there. He was always transgressing boundaries and transversing them. Mm -hmm. do, do, do you um, do you see that uh, he will um, his uh, legacy will also involve um, more support? You think at and uh, students will go on and continue to study uh, and research these areas. You, 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 I mean, we see that with the students, uh, former students here or the current students here. Uh, how do you see that as impacting future generations of students? Uh, will, they, um, will they be reading his texts? Absolutely. I think that's something that, that all of us have, have kind of been trying to get at with Lyndon is that he very much lived his work and, and lived by the theories that he um, wrote about and, and taught. And um, for all of us, I think, and, and for, for the community of African American studies at large, I really do believe that some of Lyndon's greatest influences is, is precisely the bringing together of um, what Winston was talking about and what I was talking about earlier, too, um, the, the pleasure and the the work, and um, I think that that lives in his work, and it, it continues to impact the ways in which we all think, um, and, the, and the ways in which the discipline at large thinks um, about itself and about its position within the world. And um, oh, to underscore this, um, I just wanted to read maybe a, a statement from uh, Daphne Brooks, who's associate professor of English and African American Studies at Princeton, and you know, just to which speaks to both the legacy of Lyndon, but also, again, this uh, how impacts the field and uh, future students. So um, Professor Brooks writes, as a scholar, his, model, his, his work modeled for me the meaning of freedom, the resolute, gorgeous, and urgent beauty of black song, the genius of black flight that we can trace back to captivity. As a mentor, he showed me the courage of laying it on the line for institutional change, shepherding the next generation of black studies scholars and caring for students. As a person, he radiated warmth and joy and showed me the importance of passing warmth and joy on to others personally as well as professionally. That's good. And I think just, you know, sort of as a final note, I feel like, you know, what Leela's been saying and what everybody's been saying um, this morning is um, a lot of 
What we remember of Lyndon stems from his integrity and, and you know, he he lived what he talked about in class, you know, and I remember he introduced um, some of us in his last class um, to this African philosopher who I had never heard of. His name is, I think it's Kweke. Um, I think I'm pronouncing it wrong, but um, he, he talked about him um, and um, this particular article, it was talking about sociality as a new way of being um, and, and kind of contrasting that with the way he, you know, previously had dismissed all of like Western thought like right before that like the past eight weeks of class and like the last week of class it was my birthday that past you know that day actually um and we went out to the local pub and he was living out sociality he showed us what that meant you know and I think that to me especially for all the first years I know all of us can say it was like it was like looking at the tip of the iceberg like this guy is that he's he's living what he's preaching you know it's mm -hmm. not just material or curriculum but he believes it you know and he wanted to show us like all the things he you know hated like mechanism and just things that are robotic and non-human he lived out what it is to be a human you know and he he committed to show us that you know as a teacher and i think that to me will always um you know be something that i'll remember about him and that will affect me as a teacher you know so that's for sure the, um we're gonna um we can also, there's also a statement from uh, Etienne Baliba. Um, maybe you could um, read that. Uh, he sent a tribute in. Uh. Yeah, and I think this, again, is another testament to Lyndon. And Professor Balibar was explaining, in fact, how he and Lyndon didn't know each other that well, but the kind of impact Lyndon had on him just in a very brief encounter. So... Um, this is what uh, Professor Balibar writes from France. Um, from very far away, just a word to add my thoughts to your morning. My encounters with Lyndon were scarce and too short, although we had a good exchange in Riverside last winter after I gave the talk there. We had planned to continue on more, uh, we, can't, we planned to continue on more regular basis. I was impressed by his originality, his bold use of words and concepts, and realized how important his contribution to the education of his students and the conversation of scholars at UC had become. So that uh, was uh, one of the tributes among many from uh, lots of his friends and colleagues who uh, sent them in, and they will be posted online. Yeah, uh, we just wanted to thank everyone, and we really appreciate everyone taking time to um, offer their thoughts, and we will be passing them along to his family. And if others of you who um, are listening to this program want to send your messages, um, you can send them to us, and we will um, forward them to his family as well. And we, we'd like to collect everything uh, for them. Uh, I can put the contact information on the website for Subversity at KUCI.org slash tilde D-T-S-A-N-G. And uh, uh, thank you very much for participating, uh, um, Catherine, uh, George, uh, Winston, uh, Arnold, uh, Leela, and Jamie. Uh, thank you. Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. And we will uh, keep you posted on um, what happens. Thank you very much. Great. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, this was, you were listening to a joint um, production of, uh, a joint uh, airing from KUCI and KUCR uh, here uh a, sh a remembrance of the life and times of um, Lyndon Barrett, a professor who was tragically taken away from all of us uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, this is Dan Tsang with Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. We're going to end with a clip from um, Billie Holiday. <laughs> 